Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. This week, fresh from speaking at News Rewired this year, we're speaking to someone who was instrumental in pulling the strings behind the scenes of one of 2018's biggest success stories. Operations lead and engagement editor of The Correspondent, Jess Bess, talks to us about all the planning and preparation that went into their $2.5 million crowdfunding campaign. While it was a 30-day campaign, this was an extremely long time in, in the planning. It's something we've been saying over and over again as we talk about it in this post-campaign period. The crowdfunding in and of itself it took over a year to plan the 30-day campaign with the many different aspects of it. But the idea to go international, when we launched the Dutch site in 2013, we had already purchased the URLs, the logo for the correspondent had been drawn. So this was something that was always on our mind. How could we take this to an international audience? If you can cast mind back to a podcast we did in November last year. We spoke to Rob Weinberg, the co-founder of The Correspondent, a distinctive Dutch membership-based news site, about their crowdfunding campaign to launch an English-language counterpart, The Correspondent. As some of you may well know, $2.5 million later, they achieved exactly what they set out to, and now they're set to launch in September this year. But how? What's the secret? What do they know that we don't? From the payment model, PR strategy, building communities and their social media strategy, many factors went into the correspondence equation. This being their second successful attempt at crowdfunding a news organisation means a good track record. So she starts off by talking about the key differences between the Dutch and English crowdfunding campaigns. I think the things that we had in common were things like the ambassador programme, although that was drastically ramped up for this particular uh, campaign. To give you an idea of why, when we launched in the Netherlands, uh, Rob Weinberg, our founding editor, was reasonably well known in the Netherlands. He was somebody that people, especially in journalism, knew. And that meant that he was able to command a certain amount of attention with the launch of the correspondent. When we're going to an English language audience, unless you're kind of into the journalism discussions around sustainability and, and audience engagement, you may have never, or you most likely have never heard of the correspondent and don't have a sense of what the correspondent as an antidote to the daily news grind means. And so we wanted to find a, a community of ambassadors who could help us spread that message to communities who would be familiar with them and who had the same values as us. So although we had ambassadors for the Dutch campaign, they were absolutely crucial for this second one. And we ended up having around 100 ambassadors to, to share our message from across different sectors. So that included writers and journalists, but also uh, scientists and actors and musicians, activists, so across a, a range of areas of life. So what sort of things went into headhunting an ambassador for the correspondent? We tried to look at for ambassadors who resonated with one or more of our 10 founding principles. So were they a privacy campaigner? Did they have a history of making art that uh, represented the stories of uh, marginalized voices and communities? So looking down our kind of 10 founding principles and, and thinking, why would they want to back this? We weren't just after big names, we were after people who really bought into the mission of what we were trying to do. And then in terms of sort of very practical things, you know, in the first six months of the planning, we did have a kind of a nicely, specially designed, what we called an online handshake for ambassadors, which kind of told them a little bit about what we do and had a kind of step-by-step -step kind of laying out what we hoped they would do for the campaign and what support we would give them. We actually found that it, it kind of wasn't super effective. Um, what was most effective was 
personal conversations, developing those relationships one-on-one, -on -one, lots of time taken to have coffees with the people that we hope to bring on board as ambassadors. So it was in the end, it was really persistence and, and investing time in helping them to understand why they should want to, to support this and then how to tell our story. One of the key moments for me was when Professor Jay Rosen, a well-known media academic, scholar and critic, and no less ambassador for The Correspondent, appeared on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. It took a Twitter DM from Jay to Trevor to make that appearance happen after a year of asking, but only once they crossed the million dollar mark. Now, I wonder what significance that had for the campaign and why they were so keen to get Jay on the show. Daily Show is a good example of, of where we really thought that there would be a confluence between our mission and the kind of values of the people who watch The Daily Show. You know, these are people who are perhaps unhappy with the way that current news culture works. They're thinking about the content that they consume and the news that they read and, and how it shapes their view of the world. So when with, with kind of the, the media campaign we did, we were trying to reach... Uh, people who we thought would want to support this kind of thing. And again, we did do a concerted media campaign for the first one, but for this it was absolutely crucial again to reach the number of people. Interestingly, the payment was also something they changed, from a fixed donation of €60 Euros to a voluntary one, to a pay-whatever-you-can. Why? The reason we did that was to widen the access to this. And, you know, this was a, an international global campaign we were running. What somebody can afford in the US may not be the same as what somebody can afford in the UK, as somebody in India, as South Africa. We wanted to be able to make sure that people um, had access, and that includes across age groups, make sure we can diversify the membership base. We very much see this as an international platform covering issues that affect populations around the world in the English language. Perhaps the biggest surprises in the campaign was just how widespread the membership base was. So members from more than 130 countries by the time we, we finished the campaigns. And this is the thing about um, you know audience supported models is that while uh, technically the crowdfunding period is over, you are constantly in campaign mode because you always need new members to be coming on board throughout the year um, to, to kind of make sure that um, you take some of the pressure off that, that mass renew, renewal moment. But the, the big renewal moment is, is always a, a frightening time for year two or, or year three. And, and we saw it in the Netherlands. Um, and in our second year in the Netherlands, I think 60% of um, founding members renewed. So what we're all dying to know here is what do they get right? What are Jess's key tips to a successful crowdfunding campaign? There's two things. Number one, we don't make this about the fact that journalists are owed a living in any way. Although obviously journalism costs money to make and journalists need to be paid. The campaign message was never pay for media. Media should be paid for. The, the campaign message was we want to change what news is about and we want to do that with you. So what's in it for the member, what's in it for the reader? Why is this worth paying for when they could get a lot of news free? The second thing is we really try to build this as a, as a movement as opposed to a product. So this is a mission-driven action that someone's taken. So if you're passionate about income inequality, you're going to volunteer at food banks, those kind of things where this is about the world people want to exist in. And we really try to make this um, the connection between what kind of news people want and how they could help make it happen. The third thing, I guess, is we took the time to explain what we were about. So we didn't just launch on December 14th, bam, we need 2.5 million and this is why. 
Um, we built up an English language newsletter list over the previous two years that by that point was 22,000 strong. So we had a, an interested English language base. Um, we published a lot on Medium explaining our news philosophy. We had the benefit of the Dutch members. We could activate our Dutch member base. You know the benefits of this in the Netherlands in your Dutch language. We can now take this to a language that's spoken far more widely and let's make this happen together. Now, we've heard the do's, all about the don'ts. What are the potential hazards and pitfalls that you should look out for and avoid? You're doing constant communication. Email is the most obvious example. You know, we emailed people so much. It's constant asking. Part of you has to be prepared that there will be some people who hate that. Obviously, it's annoying to be in people's inboxes all the time, but also to build into your communication strategy that when you are reaching out, make sure there are concrete actions that people can take. It's not just ask, 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 that you're actually also sharing milestones and updates and cool things that happened within the community of existing founding members or new ones coming on board. So don't be one note in your communication. Make sure you're building something that is about building a community rather than just a monetary ask all the time. And make it personal. Make it, you know, who are you talking to? Who's emailing me here? What are their motivations? Why are they joining this cause? Why are they emailing me again? And be self-referential about that. You know, my favorite email we did of the whole campaign was like two days before the finish. And it was, the subject line was like, another email from the correspondent. It was like, we know <laughs> we're doing this and, and be humble about it. Always explain why. That was some great advice we had during the campaign. Yeah, always explain, okay, if you're going to piss me off in my inbox, tell me why you're doing it. And finally, here's the interesting part. Jess said timing is crucial and that the correspondent timed their campaign precisely, to a point where they thought audiences would be most interested in seeking and most willing to listen to an alternative to the news grind. An alternative, of course, they were on hand to offer. Context is, is important. We chose to launch it um, November 14th in part because that was a week after the end of the midterm elections in the States, especially in the US, but you know, the way US politics is around the world, it was at the end of a kind of traditional horse race coverage period of politics, which can be very frustrating. So it was about tapping into a moment and a desire for something different. You know, that really struck a chord with people and it struck a chord with people around the world. It was about thinking about how does news make you feel? And we, that was kind of one of our key messaging points was that news as we know it, leaves us cynical, divided, and less informed. And we want to change that. So it was kind of defining the problem and offering certainly not a catch-all solution, but, but an action that we might be able to take to make this better. So that's all from me, but let me give a huge thanks to Jess Best from The Correspondent for speaking with me, and of course, to you at home or on the commute for tuning in. Before I leave you, I'm just gonna pass you over quickly to Jasmine, who looks after our courses, who has some great training opportunities she'd love to share with you. Take your audio to the next level of engagement with journalism.co.uk's advanced podcasting course. Audio Storytelling Bootcamp will help you to improve your production skills and get your podcast to the right listeners. Head to journalism.co.uk slash s43 for more details on that and our other media training courses. So that wraps up this week's podcast on journalism.co.uk. Of course, if you'd like to feature on one of our podcasts in the future, don't forget you can get in touch with us at Journalism News on Twitter. But for now... Until next time.